from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. And you're listening to live from the path. We're coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston Proper. Nailed it. I feel like it's a good rule of thumb. On if it cracks Mike up so much when he does it on his own, it's not a good one. Does anybody else want to do it? Get it out now. No. Nathaniel? Come on in. Okay. Dan? I can feel it. Oh, Dan. Oh, Dan, rip one out. Go ahead, move. Karen, I won't be, won't be brought into this. Because then each one of you is going to go, oh, bandwagoner. <laughs> I've been doing every- the show for a long time. I know how this goes. Almost everybody did it, Booba. Why'd you yeah, do it? It matters not to me at all. Hop <laughs> in. Ours will all be edited out. <laughs> Just that yours. Is, that is four for toke on this one. And okay. that's a woke. Hey, you, can you take that audio and have Pat Robertson doing it from yeah. the 700 Club? That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, we could do it. <laughs> Okay. All right, Booba. Just just do it. Oh, okay. Hi-yah! Very good. Thanks, Booba. Appreciate you doing that. <laughs> you nose picker. <laughs> you didn't do it like everybody else. You know that didn't happen. Ben is not good at his impressions. Whatever nationality he's trying to mimic at the time, it usually comes off pretty rough. <laughs> All right. You're listening live from the path. Uh, you're listening to episode 502. If, if this is the first time you've listened, stop now. Just stop right now. You're going to ruin everything. Go back to episode one and start over. And then you can come back to 502 where you belong. But do not cheat and skip. It will. It's, it's, like, it's like going to the last episode of Breaking Bad. Okay? Or MASH. It's just inappropriate. So restart mm. uh, episode. You're going to have to email me because the episode, first uh, 300 episodes, I don't think are even on the podcast. Mm. So it's uh, info at lifefromthepath.org. Let me know. Say you had, I, I had to go back to go and not collect 200 bucks. How do I listen? You know, hey, for, for our for our 500th episode, we were going to talk about like uh, if you remember saying something on the show that you really regret saying, like yeah. over the first 10 years. Yeah. Oh, and I had a couple that came to my, that came to mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, so go ahead, Mike. What do you? Okay, I just thought of one. Uh, <laughs> okay, mine was terrible though. Uh, we, it was during uh, the Hurricane Katrina. Okay. And like, uh, I don't know what I'd been listening to. But, like, I had decided that the hurricane was a judgment on the sinfulness oh, man. of New Orleans. And, like, it came out of my mouth, and, like, I didn't have, I, I, it didn't cross my mind that I had said something so terrible. And then, like, a year later, I happened to listen back to the show, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, that is horrible, and not even close to true. And, like, a complete ridiculous bend on scripture or God's heart on things. I'm like, oh, man. I can't take it back. Like, it's a flawed Mike thing that I had said. And, like, I'm like, man, I am so embarrassed that this even came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it certainly did. I did say it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. All right. Boobert, are you trying to think of one? Uh, I can't remember the context, but there was, a, there was, like, the first time that I decided to, like, put my foot down against the two of you. Like, hardcore. And I don't remember what it was. But every time I've listened to that or, like, my wife brings it up or somebody goes, hey, man, it sounded like you and Ben and Mike were going to, like, legit fight it out at that situation. 
I was incredibly wrong. I was being <laughs> so dumb. I was coming at it with no actual uh, factual basis in anything. I think I was like, hey, man, I remember sermons that I listened to six years ago about stuff I didn't understand and haven't opened my Bible since then. Let's argue theology, fellas. <laughs> It was real dumb of me, and I wish I could just go back and go, okay, you still got a couple more years to shut up and listen before you have anything to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is, it is, step down, son. Like, it is not time for you to talk yet. Yeah. Yep. It was rough. Okay, good. I, I don't know, Dan. Did, did anything jump to mind? Oh, absolutely. Without, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no uh, moment to even have to think about it. But I can't say it out loud because I remember even the time I said it, I thought, man, that could be taken out of context. <laughs> yes. And, and absolutely. Sound bites. I mean, yeah. I mean, you. All, I mean, it'd be easy. Just clip, clip, and and, and that little phrase I said could be used um, to, to destroy everything uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I've ever done in my life. Do we call that dancelled? Uh, what's that? Do we call that you got dancelled? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I just so I can't say it now because it once again okay, you're right okay edited. fair enough and I'm sure the other one's been destroyed by now so because yeah, yeah. I did pray that God would take care of it okay <laughs> okay oh oh boy that's a rough deal if you walk away from this joint go Holy Spirit if you could just eliminate that from the internet that'd be awesome yeah. Yeah. I mean he forever. often does I'd like every time we have a really sh- a show that just should not make it to the air or something <laughs> yeah, the weird audio happens. just crashes yeah that's that probably right. happened that day and I, I don't yeah this, <laughs> thanks yeah. Jesus okay sorry. I will I'll take it. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say. I I've used the word whore. <laughs> I mean, ten yep. times. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like, I can think of maybe two or three times where it felt appropriate, <laughs> and the other seven, I probably I don't know that I used it incorrectly nor harshly. It just really wasn't necessary. <laughs> and like, I could have chosen a different word. That was your, your rebellion at the time. Uh, yeah, like, like I think there's a few like there's just a number of vi- mild vulgarities of which I've chosen to go with that like were unnecessary. I mean so I'm I'm not against a mild vulgarity if uh, like sometimes it's more precise than some of the other words that you're looking for. <laughs> um but I I will I, I do say like there are just a few times where like I I just was lacking discernment on uh, ways to talk about That's something. just good King James Bible, though. <laughs> I love how Ben's gates for whether or not he should use mild vulgarity is the precision of language involved. <laughs> Not totally. the audience, not the context of it. It's just like, is this the best and quickest way to say what I need to say? Well, <laughs> it's like I would have no problem saying whore, but but there's so many words you do say that I would never say. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Dan's like, calling you out and going, you think that's the worst thing you've like, Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, I, I you know, yeah, God bless you. I think I think any for for both you two over there, I'll go ahead and call something out. Anytime you guys have decided to use. Any kind of impression of a nationality and or ethnicity and just decided to lay it out all for everybody to see, whether it's Mike working his way through an article pretending to be some kind of Farsi man or you trying to make up some kind of Asian dialect that's unnecessary and doesn't need to be there. The woman who wrote the article was Asian. It's not my fault. It was, if it was written by somebody from Indiana, you, it would be different. You both are hard-headed enough that when called out, even by your own selves, going, I don't know if I needed to do that, you double down and go, well, I guess we're going to keep doing it. Especially when you found out she really was Asian. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh. validation. <laughs> now it's offensive. I don't I don't can't remember. It had been the first or second year 
here. We were on the air. But like we had that senator, the dude that was running for Senate, Dave yeah. Funk. Oh, man. And like I had, I mean, I wouldn't let it go. I was insisted on finding out who's the smelly senator of the, <laughs> in the, in the Capitol. Mike's really going and like, for the hard time. I mean, like first time it was like one out of 10 funny. And then I just was beating the horse. I would not stop going, but really, who's the smelly guy? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think we got blackballed after that. Yeah. It was horribly yeah. awkward. They haven't left us back on Capitol Hill since. I, he also didn't get reelected, so I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe he was the smelly one. Filter. He just put on a shine that day. <laughs> it's, okay. I mean, it's cringy. You listen back to it. I just will not stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, actually, I, I always thought about this. As you got at the first, the first fuse of the show, we were two hour broadcast, and even now we're between an hour and an hour and a half. There is just so much audio of us talking about. All kinds of different things. Like, yeah. I, there's to Dan's to Dan's point. Like, there's no, and especially like in pockets, we're we're internet radio, so we're like, there's a lot of fumbling around and like trying to clarify words and whatever. Like, we've, I'm sure there's it's just a bo- bucket full of offensiveness. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just the stuff 100%. that's come out of my mouth. Like everybody, it's just. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Especially those first few years, like you say, we were we were just trying. We like we felt obligated to go two hours. We, right. we yes. didn't give her give ourselves permission to say, "Well, we ran out of stuff about forty five minutes ago." <laughs> right. We're gonna keep we're gonna on keep going. going. Yeah. Yeah. Because that that's a healthy. It's gonna turn uh-huh. into a conversation about what everybody's doing on Thursday. Yeah. 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 Too yeah. many this is riveting like, content. Poop, poop came up a lot. Like it was just un. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It was funny. I still listen back to it. I'm not sure it's edifying, but it wasn't like <laughs> it, was, it was a junior high locker room. <laughs> it took a bit. Uh, Nathaniel regrets. The only one that a few. <laughs> can come to mind is I decided, similar to uh, Buva, I decided one day that I was going to take a real hard stance on uh, calling God homeboy or something <laughs> stupid like that. I was like, yeah, this is right and good. You guys don't know what you're talking about. And I don't know why I, that was the, the my hill to die on, but it it's seems a wrong. My intimate relationship. Yeah, exactly. And it seems... Uh, it seems it seems looking back on it, it was like wow what a dummy <laughs> oh boy okay. I mean for years and years and years those to be the things that we really regret I think we're doing okay like yeah. I think it's all right yeah yeah okay yeah I don't know hey maybe if you if you got anything on the complaint line like where have you benefited five one five five one seven zero zero eight five and uh, you can name Ben yeah, in that fine. offended uh, uh, text. That's fine. Oh, what did I say that got us flagged on the YouTube? Some guy got all hyped up. I said something about Mary. That was that man. <laughs> I can't remember. the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Can't, anyway. Is that why the Pope won't return my call? There's plenty of options. All I'm saying is that like, there's been so many things that are like, I mean, they've been utterly offensive. So we have a whole, we, I mean, the, the show's not winding down. So we got a whole next season. Uh, to try to say regular things that make you feel at home amongst a, bunk, a bunch of broken people who follow a perfect God. Yeah. So yeah. you are seen, you are cherished, you are heard, you are, you are beloved, loved. you are kept. Yeah. 500 episodes to a season is a bit much, though. Kept. Yeah. Season two. That's <laughs> what should. I started the seasons I usually just book as the year. So yeah, like season right, yes. 2023, uh-huh. uh, but we could, we could start season two like next week. No problem. <laughs> Sounds like a horrible hey, anime. We feel like we got, we finally got ourselves sorted out. We need a good ender to, to, today though, as the season finale, we're going to kill off Booba. Yeah. That's yes. A, that's a good one. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. You befell a wielding knife attack. Yeah. <laughs> At my hands. Wielding knife attack. Wait, so Ben's going to kill Nathaniel behind the come and go and you're going to knife me in the back? I already tried to, he can't be killed. Good for you. He's wily. 
I don't think I'm going to have that issue. I'm he, declared, he declared himself to be a Slurpee and then ran. All right. You're listening live from the path. Here's what we got going on the show. Move uh, has uh, seen random uh, stuff on the YouTube. And so we're, some, well, something caught his eye. Something caught his straight eye. And so we're going to have him talk about it and see, see how it goes. <laughs> I hate that you pointed at me and named me in that. <laughs> I feel good about what I did. Uh, well, there was something else. What did we have? Somebody did something. Was, oh, Mike. Yeah. You had uh, uh, a drop in on uh, spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just the overall question is, and it, it ties in a little bit to fasting too, but like the tie in is, is like, can you have uh, spiritual disciplines without having a disciplined life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We'll drop in on that. Uh, we got a couple articles we may or may not get to because uh, I don't know, the, the Christian news is getting repetitive. Uh, and then we got advice on Dear Life in the Path, and that'll, uh, I think, will take us up. Okay, uh, Buva, you've been YouTubing. How how many hours a week would you say you spend on the YouTube? Oh, I have no idea. Like I, like ten? Uh, I do I do audiobooks on YouTube. Couple hours a day. Well, like yeah. Okay, so double digits YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, like when I'm I don't watch TV a whole lot. Like I have Netflix and all that stuff, but like most of the time I'm I'm on my my YouTube, uh, watching like uh, video game stuff and uh, uh, cooking stuff. Okay. Okay. So, the reels are like you watch long form. Uh, long form. Okay. I'll just I'll, I'll throw it on and while I'm doing dishes or something like, like that. background kind of yep, stuff. Yep. Da- Dan, what do you what do you think? A number of hours YouTube. You know, just recently it has uh, accelerated quite a bit. To, I'd say over ten because I kind of quit watching TV. Okay. Same. Same. Yeah. So you you do you pull a movie? You say uh, I don't have the TV on, but I might be uh, picking stuff up from the YouTube. Usually it's more substantial than. Video, video games, games and uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> not that that's i'm going to die in this episode can you give me some dignity please hey you'll die as you have lived <laughs> you, you can't die until there's some tension in the room all right, all right fine. okay okay double double do new stuff on the on the on the youtube now okay okay mm-hmm. nathaniel now i now you you've been a man who i think arm wrestled with the youtube in the past Yes. How you? How are you doing? Is the YouTube dominating you, or are you dominating it? It's it's uh, to Mike's point uh, later. It's dominating me. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. You've been held captive by like double digits. Oh yeah, big time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Short like re- like reels or long form content. Both. I take it in. Okay. Come on. <laughs> that was a, I take a, it a, in. A power user of the YouTube. <laughs> I do. I do a bunch of sermons too. So it's like it's probably a lot more than I think. Oh yeah, Dan does it holy. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I, I, it's background stuff like watching just whatever. I'll just right, do this, yeah. if it's the topic I've got going. On, you know, yep. I, I don't have maybe time to read a book or something, but I'll sit there and listen to some dude and okay. compare thoughts. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thought. And, okay. All right, all right, Mike. Double digit YouTube. <laughs> I can see Dan watch the winner go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, sir. I hope, hope I remember that. <laughs> no, right I'm there, in there. Dan. I'm in there in spurts. I can't even watch a full video. I'm, I'm, I only go there to fix a thing. And so, uh, like for today, for example, I was looking at uh, carburetor things for a moped. I'd picked up a trash day, and uh, the guy's video was like 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, here we go. So then I just started searching through it till I got the 15 seconds I wanted, and then I then I bailed. Yeah, those get annoying because you're like, they like, I'm gonna change a light bulb or something in a car, and it's like, oh, here's here's a model number, blah blah. blah. You get into <laughs> yeah. all this stuff, and like, I just tell me where the like, like they're what, running a sitcom, know you know, like they got a build up and, and, and a conclusion. It was like, come on, man, just yeah. get to the point where here's you my do intro. the thing. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Like, really? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, I, mine's mine's also pretty low. I do you. I do uh, workouts. 
I pumped the iron along with the YouTube uh, folk, and so uh, uh, I watched for that, and then other, and to fix something. But other than that, I don't actually I don't freelance the content. I tried to yoga with a YouTube man, and uh, no, it was, it was, I, that sounds like the worst bluegrass song I've ever heard yeah. in my entire life. Yeah. I tried to yoga with a YouTube man. He was trying to get me to talk to my hamstrings, <laughs> and I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> He's like, tell him, good morning, hamstrings. Good mo-. I'm like, stop doing that. I can't. No, yeah. No. And, and here's the bit. The bit is we just put Mike into like new age YouTube and or social interactions and just watch him melt and break down as a man it's on horrible. YouTube. It's going, just say good morning to your hamstrings today. Good morning, hammies. Yeah. How are you doing? And he's like, he's like holding himself up by an index finger, twirling around, uh, doing this amazing stuff. And I can't even, I can't literally do the V-sit and reach. I can't even get to my toes. I'm probably knee level at best. And I'm like, this is going to take 10 years to catch up okay. with this guy. Okay, here's what we're going to do. 515-517-0085. Uh, you, you can do text, which means if you, you get to pick, you get to pick a workout video on the YouTube and Mike has to do the first 15 minutes of it. Pilates, yoga, uh, oh, yeah. uh, like whatever. You, if you send it. Mike will do like at least the first one that we get. Mike will do it and we'll record it. We'll be doing oh, the first horrible. <laughs> oh gosh, this is gonna be great. And and if it goes, if it's hilarious, uh, then we'll we'll, we'll think about extending it. All Mike. right. Well, in in my rebuttal to this, I'm gonna wear the tightest stuff I own, and you're gonna take it in. I'm not worried about. Oh, that. I'm gonna stretch. I have it up. a feeling you don't have a lot of tight clothing. <laughs> I know. And if I can't find like anything, your idea of tight clothing is, I'm not wearing jeans and boots. <laughs> Mike's got gym shorts on. Oh, no. It, does. it feels like I'm going to get robbed or the house is going to catch on fire. I feel extremely vulnerable in regular, like, laying about clothes. Actually, I bought a pair of Chinese knockoff Hey Dudes. I got it for 15 bucks from the Timu. That the Hey Dudes can't be 50 bucks, Ben. No, they were 50. These were 15. Yeah, but why are you... That's ridiculous to be cheap on that. What area. are Hey Dudes? Uh... Am I wearing them right now? Yeah, I'm wearing them right now. They're like a cloth looking. They're like a cloth looking shoe. Okay, I was just, oh, great. I was just about to do a Chinese impression of "Hey dudes," and I, uh, I shut yeah, it down. Thank you on your behalf, Booba. Appreciate that. Okay, so anyway, I bought these. Uh, I bought these for 15 bones from the Chinese from Alibaba to the Chinese people, and uh, I, I feel actually very. They're un, they're an unstructured shoe, and I feel like. Like it's it's a tantamount to walking around in your pajamas out and about, and I feel very uncomfortable about yeah. it. Like at any given time, someone might go like, "Hey, man, we could use your help pulling this wagon out of the ditch," and I'm like, "Sorry, I'm wearing an unstructured shoe from the mainland. <laughs> I cannot, I can't help." All right, here's my question to you fellas: Is it ever acceptable to wear like flip flops and or slides or anything? No, no, because no like you never you never know <laughs> when you need, out you too. should never have your toesies out no. when you're outside. Yeah. In your eyes. So no. my last my last flight to Zimbabwe, I did wear slippers. Like like, the, like, all, like two, on the plane. Oh, to, to the airport? Did you drive in them? Or you just switched uh, yeah, at the so airport? Yeah, so I went through security and everything, so I could just slip those suckers <laughs> please, off. Please tell me they were like bunny slippers. Like, that's what I want for you. They, they, they know. They were a little more masculine, but they were still slippers. So they still looked slippers like, indeed. you know, slippers. Okay. okay. Now, and, what if you're t- what if you got to change a tire or something? Or if you need help, someone else change a tire. Yeah. Well, I was on what an if airplane, the gas station is getting robbed? You want to get robbed in pajama pants and slides? Listen Come on. I spent a few hours in Dubai walking around <laughs> in my slippers. <laughs> That's awesome. I've pushed a car in flip-flops before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it. you can do it. Yeah, there was a dude playing a trombone two blocks away going, wah, wah. 
every time he saw you out there with your slides on. It's embarrassing. Interesting. Mm. All right. I'll change my ways. I did yeah. have a UK rapper come and sit Do you sit have by a me. tactical suitcase in your, conversation. in your car? A tactical suitcase? Yeah, ready for action at all times. <laughs> nope. Decoder ring, like from the Captain Crunch, and a flashlight? <laughs> no. No, I'm not MacGyver. Stethoscope like, in case you got to break into a safe. No, I'm not capable of that many things. Like uh, People have bought me tools before, <clears throat> yourself included, and I've probably used them once. Good. <laughs> wait, wait, Dan. Did you say that a you not uh, like a like a an English rapper, like UK rapper? Yeah, yeah. Struck up a conversation with you and your bunny slippers. Yeah, because he. Okay, so I paid a little extra so I could sit at on, on the wing. So because like it's major leg room. I yeah. mean, like from me to like yes. fifteen feet, right? I mean, it's like huge on a big it's old nice, monster. Yeah. And so he thought I was really wealthy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I did have like a hundred grand on me, like cash, you know, so, so, but I didn't tell him that, but, but, but it wasn't mine, you know, so it had nothing to do with me. Right. Uh, but uh, I felt rich uh, and my slippers. Yeah, hey, man. So, so he just thought it was really cool. He wanted me to set up concerts and everything all over Zimbabwe. And you and say like, done, I'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he got my, we got our WhatsApp numbers and I may have blocked him later, but uh, yeah. I don't know what you need to do right now, but I feel like you need to give more context other than I paid for extra leg room on a flight to Zimbabwe and I had a hundred grand in cash on me, but it wasn't my money. Well, no, it's because for the orphanage, it's for an orphanage. There we go. Yeah, That's yeah, all right, I'm right, asking right, you to right. say. Exactly. Just, I, was, I was taking just, money. That, that I went there on purpose because to wire it would have cost a lot yes. of money, so it was cheaper to send me. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm yeah. fully aware of that. No, you for have, the vast I'm audience. I'm just saying for, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's like, Dan doesn't just travel with 100 Gs to Africa How do you know for that? no Wait, reason. I do it all the time, every day. I mean, Florida war style, like I went and bought a bunch of AK-47s over there. Did you just like look from side to side when they said, do you have anything to declare? $100,000. I had an official paper that said, but I had had filed at the right yes uh, whatever okay. airport uh security people so yeah they, they could stop me and and, and it'd be fine <laughs> what's gonna say what happens if you don't have that paper and someone stops you with a hundred thousand dollars i did it a few times before and they finally thought maybe we should fill the paper it's not illegal to because to, they they right, want the just cash incredibly it, suspicious yeah. it's illegal for them to do it like a, a citizen yeah because then they're like well you know you, you owe taxes you know right 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 but uh, yeah, but still, with like, okay, we should do it. So we've been we, we declare it. I was gonna say, I think I had four hundred dollars in my pocket in the Philippines, and I felt like I was yes. drinking national. <laughs> I was I was gonna be taken down at any moment. Yeah. What were we talking about? Boo uh, Boo oh, yeah. watches YouTube. All right. How much YouTube do you watch, Mike? Yeah. Um. So I was watching a uh, uh, a show that um is is put on by a pretty well known uh, YouTube channel. And uh, essentially, it is um, a cooking channel. And one of the things that they've been recently doing, they've been pushing on, is um, like last meals of these famous celebrities. And so these celebrities come on the show. Wait, and last meals like this are last ever it, or it, like what they ate last night? No. So essentially, like it, it's if you know you're about to die tomorrow, oh. what would your last meal be? Yeah. And so they get together and they um, they put together this meal and then they talk about a lot of stuff and it's questions about death and it's questions about, you know, what happens when you die and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's taking off. It's a pretty big deal. And um, it's depressing. I mean, to some people, yeah, but to some not. I mean, it's mortality is for everybody. It's what happened happen. on this YouTube video, Boo? <laughs> we're, we're trying to get there, and that on. happened. That also feels like a bumper sticker. I mortality is for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so this gentleman was on and uh, was essentially asked about uh, religion, what happens when you die, and things like that. And the guy said that he was an avid Christian. Um, he believed in in, in Christianity and has, has uh, identified as that for a long time, but... 
the rest of his conversation is he's uh, he's an openly gay man um, and like is involved in that at a like high level media perspective. And so he's like big name in the community, stuff like that. And he's talking about the fact that he's a Christian and he uh, believes in God, but he doesn't believe in heaven, doesn't believe in hell and all this different stuff. And then he started to talk about uh, having conversations with his father about uh, Christianity and all this different stuff. And it was interesting because his comments were essentially saying, um, you know, he reads the Bible daily and has has broken it down, everything like that. But uh, when he's confronted by people that don't understand how he's a Christian and is also a part of these other communities openly and has no shame about it whatsoever, um, his comments were essentially like, well, you're 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 focusing too much on the little things you know once you've read that word in the bible take a little bit of context what's around it what's happening here what's culturally going on and then once you're there take another step out and look look at it from this lens and things like that Mm. and it was interesting because it's the same kind of conversation that i would have with somebody about how to accurately read the bible which is don't get stuck verse to verse to verse and jump around all over the place and grab this out of context because you can skew it to anything look for the context of what's being said who was this being written to who is it being written by all those kind of questions that when you're trying to correctly go through your bible and understand it for more than just what words you're reading in the language that it was not originally written in uh it was exactly right like i would do the same thing but to the complete opposite conclusion like 100 opposite conclusion and i'm sitting there thinking like how do i talk to someone about this conversation how do i talk to someone who that is their viewpoint as well of like yes i am reading my bible and yes i am taking it in and yes i'm looking at the cultural aspects and what this would have meant in the original language it was written and things like that but then they just come out with this incredibly different viewpoint of no god that's not what god was saying in that god's saying that that's not even a sin heaven and hell don't exist and there's no consequences for our actions and all this different stuff and it really turns into god's just this guy and he's just really excited about your happiness. And, you know, he just wants everyone to be happy and be smiley. And everyone should be just happy without being judged. What do you say to that kind of person? Or what do you say to someone that comes to you knowing that you're a Christian uh, and says, hey, I heard this. And it's a vastly different viewpoint than you've said before. Um, but they went about it the, the way you've been saying it. What does that conversation look like? Yeah. It's like, so, so, Nathaniel, it's it's different to, to be dealing with someone who, like, clearly doesn't read the scriptures and would say as much uh, or someone who doesn't believe in this at all. But this is a person who is saying like, oh, yeah, we're the same. We both read the scriptures all mm-hmm. the time. We think it's appropriate to get it into context, blah, blah, blah. And they're coming to complete opposite conclusions than what you're coming up with. Like, uh, and Nathaniel, maybe I, I'm saying like, start with you. Like, what would you how would you help start start trying to sort out where that problem might be or how to point someone to or to reconcile maybe what they're coming to and what you're coming to? Um, I mean, if they're willing to uh, dive in and, and um, uh, especially explore like uh, grammatical and uh, historical um, – studying of the scripture then i maybe would probably start there is is see kind of where they're going astray uh and then maybe start on those uh passages that they're because everybody's got their their proof texts even people who uh you know have uh a theology that i would say i would agree with yeah and so if this gentleman has uh some texts that he bases his life around 
then I would start there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, I think that's a good initial call is that like where people find a, a, a text or section of text that they agree with. And then they start looking, using the Bible to filter the Bible, which is, which is an error. Like you use the Bible to interpret the Bible. That's right. But like, you do run a risk of saying, based upon this one thing that I agree with, now I will use it to then re potentially re-render all of the other things. When, like, what I might have to do is say, here's the thing I really agree with. Here's the thing that strikes me as maybe I don't agree with. My question is, how are both true, not how do I bend the second one to fit because I like the first one better or because I agree with the first one? So I think, I think starting with where um, – Trying to figure out like what what lens, even if it's a scriptural lens or specifically because it's a scriptural lens, people are starting with. Um, I think that is I think that starts to get to the root of it, um, because otherwise you are um, you're just you're fighting for, again, like words and phrases of which people are coming to different conclusions, not because the, the language is particularly different, but because they started contextually with a different thought in mind. And this isn't just a this guy problem. It's a, it's like a regular dude problem where I, I heard somebody say once, uh, I think uh, aptly, um, everybody's theology is wrong somewhere, and mm -hmm. none of us know where exactly that is. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I don't know, Dan. Uh, what, what have you run into a character like this that you've that you've kind of dealt with either online in person? Um, yeah, not necessarily on the on the topic, but but with with any uh, scripture. My, usually, like my first question is, is to get to unpack a little bit about like, well, when you say you you read the Bible every day, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. You right. know, uh, what what what's your source? Is is because I've talked to people who get a a text. Once a day, a Bible verse, and they say, "Yeah, I read the Bible every day because I got that text. It's a, yeah. it's a verse taken out of context." You know, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how I read Shakespeare. Just send me a paragraph <laughs> periodically, at random spots in any play, um, uh, and that wouldn't make sense. But that's how they read the Bible because it's usually the ones that are, you know, cater to your ego and oh, yep. God loves me. I'm a soaring ego and e eagle. I can't say e eagle and ego. Anyway, um, so I would, I would, I would investigate that. What, what are, uh, where, what does it mean when you say you read the scripture and, and how, what do you do when you don't understand it? How do you mm. find out? How do you figure out what it's really saying? Do you just ignore it and say, I don't believe that and go on or, or like, how are you coming to these conclusions? And we, that would begin the conversation. I think then we could sit down and, and talk about either a wrong hermeneutic that they're approaching or if it's, um, just uh, plain ignorance, you know, like like I would be with many things. You yep. Know? Yep. Um, like, well, can I, can I help you find a source, a better source, you know, for edu for uh, information? And, yeah. and it, it, that'd be the starting point, I guess. It all depends on how they would respond. How I would yep. go from go from there. But. Yeah, I do think like one of the one of the bigger rubs, the places where most people are on shaky ground is when you when you start getting into word definition. Yeah. Right. So like crux of like contextual phrases and things like that like a, a lot of times you can talk talk through that although one of the things i would say is that going back to to Buva, to your description of kind of what the guy was saying um backing up and looking into context doesn't absorb or eliminate the thing 
that the individual sentence or word is getting at. Mm-hmm. It just illuminates it. Right. Right. Context helps you understand it rightly. It doesn't it doesn't discard it. Yeah. And so right. like if there's a clear teaching around, you know, something that especially if it's like a Old Testament law or something right. or even a New Testament epistle that seems to try to restrict behavior in some way. And we go, yeah, but if you look out, if you take out the really wide macro view and you go, yes, but God is is love. And so, you know, everything under, if I start with the macro view and I know that God is love, then that means the stuff that I'm doing is okay. I'm like, well, like the Bible does say God is love. That's true. And it's, an, it's a totally okay place to start. But like the reconciliation is he, he said this thing specifically. And so you yeah, need to I tell me to define love. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. What do you yes. mean by that? And yeah. like, and now the question is when you say God is love, does it also mean that he's a liar? Because he did say that. And right. so, so, so you can't. Like that God is love doesn't can't obfuscate or completely change or eliminate something that God also said. It may help you understand it. Like like I said, so like context illuminates. It does not obfuscate. It doesn't eliminate. Right. Um, and so that, like that would be that would be my hesitance because like I'm, I'm, I'm in I'm in on the macro view. I think we totally often mis- misread scripture by reading it too narrow, but we're reading for uh, for lighting it up, not for trying to make it go away, to, to make it so bland that it doesn't say anything. So yeah. when, when Jesus zoomed out, he zoomed out to law and prophets. That's the biggest Jesus went, right? So like he didn't go through like one singular story where God is love and this Bible is about me and how I feel, right? When Jesus says this is law and the prophets, that's our macro, and that's the biggest I go, which includes law. Uh, which are are very specific laws, which culturally, like, you can try to understand why some of the laws existed because of the culture around it. That doesn't change what the law was. The the, the interpretations of the law, right. you're like, well, why would they even have that? That's a good discussion. Yeah. But the law itself is really straightforward. Right. Right? And and the prophets are the prophets, right? So, like, even when there's there's just as much danger as taking an extremely microscopic view in, in diverse picking or word picking um, but there's there's just as much danger when when you try to zoom way out and go God is love and the thing is is when you when you approach scripture right like there's there's conviction in there and so like if if I were to read reread whatever Thessalonians and turns out that a thing that I thought let's say that we read Ephesians again and we and and we sat down and did the Bible study and you know what it is just like everyone is afraid of right the man is the head of the household regardless of the way he acts or the way that he does does not sacrifice for the church, for the, his bride or whatever. And that's how God said it was. And I go, crap, I have some things I need to change in my life then because, yes, I'm willing to walk up to that scripture and go, whatever I bring to it, God gets to be good. And God right. is good and right in the things that he says. And that that means that I need to change the way that I'm looking at something. And like, I mean, that's been my whole life since I met Jesus. It's mm-hmm. constant conviction. It's constant the Holy Spirit bringing things back out of Scripture and going, eh, it's never, it's, 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 it's always, son, I love you, uh, but never you're nailing this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to call you closer to me, which means your humanity is going to have to get in check a little bit, and you're going to have to rely on me for what's good. And, and like when you approach the Bible with what you already thought, and you're just looking for verse text to back it up, you can probably find it. You can piecemeal the micro and even the cultural explanation that you throw around it, you can make it sound like the thing you already believe, right? But like the things that I believe now after following Jesus for years, like they're not what I believed 20 years ago. And God had to do a lot of work in me to get it there. Mm-hmm. And so like I, it's, it, it, does, it takes, a, it takes a, a lot broader conversation, especially when you run into people that like, 
I read my Bible every day. And for all the reasons you guys just explained, there's tons of ways to start this conversation and go, here's the thing. Is, is As much as we don't like to count, like the culture is a good conversation to have, so is church history, right? There are millions and millions of people that have used this as the cornerstone of their faith. And in the last 20 years, now you've decided that everybody that had ever interpreted the way this is to be understood, including the guys that met the Son of God, uh, now is probably wrong because the culture they were in was different. And he's like, they, they were there in the culture they were in. And they took the thing that Jesus said exactly like this. So it, you're going to have a hard time making a case from your 2,000 years off that you understood that culture better mm-hmm. than, than they did when they took it in. Right, right. Yeah, so I think that's, I think that's right. I think you, it pulls people into a, um, like, like sometimes you need even the broader context about, like, one of the thing I was thinking about is, uh, not that, like, sometimes you, you, it's, it, it's a, it's a question of clarity pretty quickly. You should pick out the thing people tend to be pretty offended about and go, is this right? Like, how, how do you read this? Just so I can understand where you're coming from. Right. Is this a true thing or not? Well, no, it's not a true thing. Okay. So from a standard, we're saying we do not. We immediately start to part company when you say you read a Bible every day that you do not believe is holistically accurate. Which parts are accurate? Right. Oh, well, I like these parts. <laughs> it's yeah. like heaven and hell don't count now. Yeah. Okay. Right? That's a huge broad swath that like is pretty defined. Right. And you got to chuck Jesus for that one. Right. Like mm-hmm. not this isn't even people, you know, people harass Paul over all kinds of things. Jesus is the hell man. He's the guy talking about. And so like regardless of your interpretation of what that is, you have to deal with the concept of, of either Jesus is lying. The scriptures are misrepresenting Jesus uh, or like you're fighting or you are rejecting something that God said was right. Right. And so it doesn't take, but a, but a half a dozen questions to get to a point where at least we know what we're dealing with. Like yeah. if you're a person who goes, I just don't think, uh, I think some of this is perverted by man. Okay. Which parts? How would I know? Right. Uh, actually, this is, this is super interesting because Boo and I have been talking about this recently. Is it just like it's the question of how do you know <laughs> is a very it's a very pervasive and some often difficult question. Oh, well, that part that part isn't literal. OK, well, how do you know? I, I often I think much of the scripture isn't literal, but I have a reason for it. Like there's right. a there's a pattern. There's a justifiable reason. Here's how you might be able to tell. Here's how it's interacted pretty consistently. And so you can come to a reasonable conclusion. That's way different than, oh, Jesus didn't say that. Oh, interesting. How do you know? Oh, I, um, uh, d- the, the Nicene Council uh, jacked with this. Oh, that's interesting. How do you know? Uh, because if you get into an opinion battle, you're going to lose it. Right? Because you're right. just a per- – like, here's the – people don't tend to honor the opinions of people they, who are against them from their perspective. Yeah. It's why you've got to stop arguing with your family members. Like, it doesn't come across – you're not going to win that one either. Well, and you have to have a low view of God, right? Like, the reason I believe scriptures God breathed is because I can't imagine an all-powerful God that will allow it to be changed into something that he didn't that he didn't want. Right. There. Right? And so, and the thing is, it has to be very pinpointed. How do you explain the message translation, Mike? Well, <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> that is tough, Lou. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, is holistically, the, uh, I mean, like, I can find theological rubs in the message translation, but like, I, I mean, I can get... That, here's the thing is I do this all the time. And the thing is when you quote – I was talking to somebody this week because we were talking about um, memorizing Bible passages. And I said, I, I get it. I think it's good to have God's word in your heart. But like when you turn around and try to explain it to somebody using 2,000-year-old language, it's not going to come out right. Right? It's just going to flat out not – that you're not saying it in a way that they can understand it. 
Like there's there's words that that are pervasive throughout the scripture that even when you try to explain it in modern context with like uh, grace and mercy, right? All these things are going to come through the exact same as the intended. You're just gonna you, you're gonna say it in your own words because if you say thou doth whatever, or you try reading out of the New King James, right? People gonna people who don't know Jesus are gonna struggle with you understanding with what you're saying, or even the words. Even um, uh, this came up recently in things we're studying, but like even enemy. Like, like when I say enemy, modern context, like it's got a different vibe. Often it's it's a very because like our notion of like some people have like these enemy figures in their lives, but like most people, they think nemesis and like kind of like a cheesy <laughs> that kid stole my blanket or like peed in my cup type of like well, nemesis. What's going on at your elementary? <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> that is a big change there. I remember you, Brandon Kono. I remember everything you've done. Um, so like, like, okay, I was also thinking of Brandon Kono as the possible man that would have done something like that. That is like the that. second time you guys have brought up Brandon Kono in three weeks. Right? He's a, he's a I think you offender. guys need to talk to him. I should be praying for him, I suppose. He may be still be my enemy. I don't know. Or nemesis. Anyway, it's not the same. <laughs> Right when Jesus talks about enemy, like you're you're talking like very stark evil th- things from enemies, and we are like that guy took the last package of double stuffs from the Walmart shelf, and now I'm screwed, and he enjoyed it, <laughs> right? So like, how dare you? Right, it was just contextually we're wrong about it. Oh, right. Okay. So, so yeah. Anyway, I mean, I suppose to sum it up, like, like when you approach people that like claim to read the Bible every day, and I've come to these like massively crazy different conclusions. Um, one, I would certainly pray on that, right? Because like, there's a little bit of weirdness going on. Two, I, I think all those suggestions were solid, right? You put, you're going to have to have a conversation in here somewhere. But at the end of the day, like, two major things have to be have to be met. One, you have to believe that God is good, no matter what God says. Like, he he has his best intentions. Like, there's a couple things, especially from that fella, right? Like, there's a couple worldviews that he'd want changed instantly, and and he goes, if this were just different, and if Christians just believe this differently, the world would be way better. And God says, no, that is, in fact, the exact opposite. Right. Right. What you're doing is saying, hey, make, make something that, I've, that, that will destroy humanity and say that it's okay so they can feel temporarily better. Right. That's not bringing them closer to me. That's glorifying them as a deity because they get to call what's good and what's not good. And God already laid that out. And so as, as hard as it is to operate in a world, especially, you know, culturally now, or especially when we're in America— like it's it's so divided on being able to just accept anything that anybody says and says this is who I am this is what I want to be this is what I think is good and like you have to go back to the fact that God says I know what is good I designed you this is what is good I'm good I can do nothing but good and I'm telling you this is not where good is and you want to take a fallible human's version of it who grew up in a context without being say uh, infinity years old right they've got 20 30 40 years on this earth and now they got it all licked and say, this is how the world is. And you're like, I can't take your opinion on this. You're, you're nothing old compared to the God of the universe. And he says, this is going to hurt you. This is not where joy and freedom come from. And so like any attempt, you're like, you're making a temporary solution uh, to an eternal problem. And like, that's pretty arrogant on, on our end too. Yeah. It's easier for you to deal with people in the day to day as far as you're concerned. But like, if God is love... God doesn't do that. Love doesn't go, hey, I'll sacrifice what's easy for right now for keeping a deep and hard truth that will give people freedom later, right? Just because you're scared or you don't want to offend somebody. That don't sound like love, right? If you raise kids that way, you're going to be very sorry on the way that your kid has come out after after they leave your house because you chickened out every major conversation. You never told them hard things. 
and you wanted to be their best buddy growing up, and you're going to have a kid that has no idea which way is up and down, and you're going to watch them have to screw it up 10,000 times before they ever get the relief of freedom and going, oh, but God. And then God gets to show up and, and actually tell truths that you owed, you owed them if you loved them. All right. Hey, you're listening to Life from the Path. I don't know. Be interested to see if you have any uh, uh, stories, uh, th- things that you're running into where uh, uh, you're surprised at the uh, what appears to be biblical fidelity of folks who uh, believe just these opposite of you. And, you know, here's the thing. I have I have come across many a um, competently put together theological argument for things that I disagree with. Um it tends to part company at uh, how literal is the scripture. It tends to part company at um, is it, have the scriptures been tampered with or the definition of a word, especially when you get to the sexual stuff. Like people start kind of twisting words around um, to, to try to fit their fit their theology. And so that's where the ten- stuff tends to get to. Um, I, I would say this, like you should be. Um, given given what Nathaniel said, which is if everybody everybody likely has something that they believe that's not quite right, I mean, you should always be open. You should be open and listening. That's how you find out the things that you got wrong. Now, most of the time, uh, I mean, like it's I don't know, I don't know if interpretations really sway all that far um, from from maybe the steady things that you know, but like you can't you can't learn if you're not listening, and frankly, you can't help teach if you're not listening, and so. Um, either way, you're gonna. I would start by listening, and then people who have a heart for scripture, to Mike's point, like will ultimately be changed by it. People who have a heart for themselves will stop seeing themselves in it, and, uh, eventually. And but people who who are open to being changed by God will be. And so um, we can encourage that and be part of those types of conversations. And you can follow those around because they tend to start being uh, cause based religions, right? Like they've taken. Like if you if, if if you read that entirety of that that Bible, um, it's God's story, and it's very evident it's God's story. But like if you go to certain denominations or certain um, sects of Christianity where they're like they're cause based, they're like this is about me. We're going to talk about this issue only, and this is the way we, we we go forward. And like that stopped being about God completely, and 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 started being about you. So like you you've just taken God's throne away and set your butt on it and that's that, that it's dangerous. Yeah, and that reminded me there was an article we weren't going to read the whole thing but the the title struck out at me and this is from Christianity Today um from earlier in this month and the title of the article was Moses was bicultural like me. And I thought like who who why? Like what what are we looking for in this story that God has told using a man named Moses that the the notion of him um, as a Hebrew raised as an Egyptian is a key part of it. Like his his identity actually doesn't it, it comes up as how God has worked through someone. His actions are actually the primary thing, um, and it creates unique situations between him and his adopted family mm-hmm. and his uh, birth family. Right. Okay, but it's not a story about adoption, and it's not a story about multicultural. It's a story about the Im- like like the the uniqueness of the story happens because of those situations. But it's not his identity. You never hear Moses actually bring that. He doesn't bring this up, and the scripture often doesn't. Like uh, scripture is always almost always in the process of trying to trying to weave things together to acclimate to what it's like to be one. Uh, one kingdom under Yahweh. And so I, I just, what caught me here was like, what are we looking for? 
when we're reading the scriptural narratives, like what lens do you have on and why? Wasn't this the failure of the of of in our eyes the Jesus campaign that came out during the Super Bowl? Right? Yes. It was solely focused on the way Jesus is like you as an individual. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so like it just feel it felt like a weird if if it's not relevant to what God is trying to communicate, like why are we we got I guess we just be cautious about looking uh, whatever certain pastors are, are known for this. <laughs> like you go looking and you found a story somewhere and you want Mark Driscoll was one of the worst. He'd like choose a scripture and then talk about whatever he wanted and just found a way to to kind of bring that out of the story. Um, and like it's just it's it's one of the risks. It's no actually it's no different than the person that Abuva was talking about. If you're reading the scriptures to affirm the thing that you're looking right. for in yourself. That isn't the thing that God is trying to talk about. This one seems more benign, of course, but like it's the same problem. Like if it's not if it's not particularly re- I, Jesus as a refugee, it's not relevant to the story. I, mm-hmm. To know that he went from place to place, like they tell you that Jesus fled to Egypt. He and his family fled to Egypt to describe the evil threat under Herod, right? Like that's the point of telling him the, the, of the fleeing. Right, yeah. All right. The point of him fleeing wasn't go, oh, look, he's a refugee. Like it has nothing to do with the the concept of the story, even if it's true. But like most people who are going, didn't you know that Jesus was an immigrant and a refugee? They're trying to steal Jesus's story out of context to tell their own story. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you that like there may be a totally competent and merciful story to be told about these immigration situations and how we think about refugees as a country, as, a, as individuals, whatever. Totally. But do not go to scripture, pull Jesus's story out of context or what's irrelevant to what's going on around him to try to push a cause, especially one that he might even like he might even be for. They're just looking at everybody's just looking for some way to help understand themselves. Right. But but they want to find it out of human level measurements. And like God doesn't be talking about that. Like he just does not. He says, you are who I said you are, right? You are my son or you are my daughter. That is the most identity you get, right? And so people go, look, uh, I can understand myself better because Moses was bicultural. Why, though, right? As soon as God said, you're my son, that's (laughs) pretty much what you need to know. That's it. Are there worldly struggles here that are going to cause you deference because of your race? Yes. Yes. In a fallen, broken world, yes, sir. That is definitely truth. You're, You're... your wealth disparity. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Your sex even. Right? All these things are, can be can be totally true in a broken humanity. But like at the end of the day, God don't be talking about that. Right? You're trying to go the the thing that is that I'm defined in this world plus Jesus. Right? And Jesus goes, it doesn't matter. I'm the king. And I say you're a son and I say you're a daughter. And that's what you need to know. And you keep trying to put in like weird obstacles in the way as if that will help you understand yourself better. You want to understand yourself better? Read the prophets and the law. Right. And then listen to what Paul had to say about me and then read the words of me. And then let's see where we're at after that. Let's stop letting the world like poke in and say, well, you can be defined as a son of the king, but you're also a dude. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, scripture scripture defines who you are. You don't go to scripture to affirm the identity that you've created for yourself. Or the one that the world's pressed on right. you. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either one. Yep. 
Okay, you're listening live for the path. Thanks for hanging out with us so far tonight. Mike, the question on the table was, can you have spiritual disciplines without being a disciplined person? Uh, yeah, yeah, without having a disciplined life. And, and here's the reason I'm asking is because, like I've noticed, I was talking to my wife about this earlier. Like I've noticed in the past, like when I've done a fast, like I can't. Once I once that comes into line, because like that's a necessity, right? Like food is a necessity in your life. And so like I do a fast or like pay attention to what I'm eating or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like my whole world starts to focus in on intentional living because that one has taken a hold. And I thought, how many years have I tried to like keep up a disciplined Bible reading or a disciplined prayer life? But everything outside of that was whatever I wanted to do, right? Like I eat what I want to eat, I drink what I want to drink, uh, I smoke what I want to smoke. Everything is like a complete, I can do whatever I want, free roaming, except for I want to keep this little corner of my life completely disciplined. And I think I think the dichotomy keeps bumping up against itself and going, I don't know that you can actually do this. You can either live intentionally or not. And that includes some of the spiritual disciplines, right? Like, so does that mean I can intentionally have like four sodas a day? Yeah, sure. I can if I want to, as I'm doing intentionally. Uh, I would say at this point, I drink as many sodas as I want to without any regard for whether or how many I should have or not, like without even a thought into it. And like on the flip side of that, my Bible reading is uh, give or take. It's uh, It happens, but it's not disciplined uh, for sure. I would say same thing with my prayer life, right? And I noticed that, like, it really correlates into other areas of my life that are not under any type of discipline or intentionality. They're just, well, we'll just see how this goes, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but I, I wouldn't want to take away some of the wonder. And, like, I don't know that you want to have, like, a completely rigid, strict lifestyle where you're immovable and inflexible, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit speaking into your life or other people being involved in your life. But it does feel like it lacks intentionality. You can be intentionally flexible and intentionally open to to God moving things around, and that seems okay. But I just it it just hit me earlier that like I don't I don't know if you can have both. I don't know if you can live intentionally in one area and not intentionally in the rest, and and expect it to sustain. Yeah, is that the question? Is not like it's possible, but is it likely or is it effective? Yeah, does it hold? Is it yeah, in yeah, for yeah. the long term? For the long for the long term? Yeah. Dan, what, what's been your experience, like, thinking about just, like, either spiritual disciplines, but then, like, I don't know, discipline in general or intentionality in your life? Yeah, I, I think um, the, the what came to my mind was I'm trying to use the question and, and I'm, then I'm straying for me. Uh, the more disciplined you are, the, the more, how am I saying this, the more depth of discipline you're I need to I need to like write it on a piece of paper so I can read it and say it at the same time because because yeah. I'm not a disciplined speaker at the moment. It, the the can you be rephrase the question for me if you would. It was basically like can you can you run through spiritual disciplines? Can you have yeah. disciplines and spiritual disciplines uh, without having a disciplined life? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to. I probably this. should should have used the words intentional. I guess I I think I I think I feel like it's more intentional. Because disciplines are intentional, like you're saying, like regardless yeah. of what's going on around me, I'm going to do this. I'd say the more disciplined you are in the spiritual disciplines, the deeper your spiritual life is. Doesn't mean you can't be a spiritual person without a disciplined 
spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I'm dis. Everything that you said. You know, I'm a disciplined eater at times, and I do really, really well. And then I fall apart. And I'm like, yeah, I'm eating, you know, whatever. And then I have to kind of catch myself again. If I had just been disciplined my entire life, I would look different than I do now. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you just read your your Bible 15 minutes a day for 20 years, that's way better than being hot and cold and hot and cold, hot and cold. So, so the more disciplined you are, the more consistent you are, I think the more deeper you go. Um, and because it, it, you, it, you have to go beyond the checklist uh, okay, check, read my Bible, check, did my prayer, okay, did a fast, that one, you know, um, to, to make it work into your heart. And, and that takes time and takes consistency and intentionality. So so those are all necessary. And the deeper, the more consistent you do that, the deeper, I believe, you go in in your faith. If that answers what you're saying, yeah. your question. I mean, uh, are you still a Christian? Yeah, yeah. But, but you can have so much more joy when you study it even deeper. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Um, Nathaniel, would you, would you say in your life, is there a correlation between like sp- discipline or intentionality in spiritual matters and intentionality and your abilities to sustain that with like other things? I like, I don't know, exercise or something like that, or, uh, or, or often the, on the opposite side, when you're not being disciplined in one, does it, is it very difficult to keep the discipline in another? Uh, yeah, for sure. I feel like that's the only way that I do it. Like if I'm disciplined in one area, I feel like I'm hitting on all cylinders, like all, all, all the disciplines, spiritual disciplines, physical disciplines, uh, you know, hanging out with my wife and kids and, and, and being intentional with them and, and living a, uh, holistic intentional lifestyle. Yeah. And when I'm not, I am not doing anything. The whole thing blows up. The whole thing blows up. <laughs> yeah. Which and, I think is a flaw. Yeah. And <laughs> right, I don't right. know, like, that could be a personality thing and for individual people. I don't know. I f- I'm on the same board with Nathaniel, right? Even something so simple as, like, I tuck my kids into bed every night, right? And, like, when I'm when I'm disciplined in, in my Bible reading, my prayer life, when I'm paying attention to what I'm eating, like, my whole life feels more intentional. And then when it's time to put the kids to bed, I'm like, yes. Yes, I definitely want to do this. And like this is this is the part of my day and it's driving deeper. And like regardless of whether I want to do it when I'm in the valley and I'm not quite as disciplined, like it's almost like an irritating afterthought to the fact that I w- I was just going to walk to bed. You know, like I was just going to go to bed right now and like now I got to walk all the way upstairs and Ella going to want to tell me a story and and like I love Ella's stories. Like I I really do. But like when I'm my mind is not focused on like the th- intentionality of things that I know to be important, then everything's an irritant. Everything is not what I wanted to do at the time. And so it's automatically an irritant to me. So like if I had no discipline in anything I was doing, what I want to do right now is go straight to bed. And anything that stops me from doing that, even if it's a good, righteous thing, I'm irritated by it. You know what's interesting? That's weird that you brought that up because now that I think back on it, I find that I am most irritated with being interrupted from unintentional things. Yes. Like you would think that things that you really want to do that are good things that you want to do intentionally to be interrupted from those would cause you consternation. But I find that that's the exact opposite. If I'm jacking around, looking at Facebook too long uh, or whatever, or just not doing the thing that I probably should be doing at the moment, I am the most irritated when I'm interrupted from that thing. Then mm-hmm. if someone said, hey, uh, stop raking the garden for a minute, I need you to do something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK, you know, it happens. <laughs> So uh, I, it's like a whole bucket of crapola. 
Like it's the we already you're already being unintentional, and then I'm irritated about being interrupted from my unintentionality. <laughs> yeah, I think actually I think that holds true for me as well. I mm-hmm. get irritated if I'm interrupted while I'm playing a game on my phone or something. But like in the middle of Bible reading, if like one of the kids come up ask me a question, I'm not irritated at all. I'm like, what's up? Yeah, and like that's important to me. I, I set it part time aside to do it, and it doesn't bother me. It gets interrupted, but like the just sitting around doing nothing or spacing out or just watching TV, and you're like, ugh. What do you want? Right. <laughs> you know, mm. that is true. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So, so I think then it seems like it's, it is possible. Like, and, and then to Dan's point, like if you're able to get a salt, like 15 minutes of Bible reading, right. Or committed prayer every morning, even if the rest of your life is a bit of a dumpster fire, there is totally an advantage to that. Uh, I, I, it seems like that it may start to, follow but it doesn't always have to follow that the rest of your life comes into sort of some semblance of order um but then also there are some people or or personalities of which it it seems like it does burn hot or cold like either you've got everything under control and it feels right or like the whole thing kind of falls apart and it's very difficult to hold on to even particles of sand yeah 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 yeah. We, we tend to feel like like I've got to pray for an hour and a half where it's nothing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, mm-hmm. or, you know, I've got to have a depth, in-depth Bible study or it's worthless. It's like, I just get up and read it. You yeah, know? just, yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, though, is like if you're not living with any type of intentionality, then everything owns you, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's a chain. And so like, uh, and my wife always tells me this and like, it's great advice and I never follow it. But she's like, why don't you stop telling, why don't you stop letting your work decide what time you get up in the morning? Right, like if you if you ball out of bed in enough time to put some clothes on and get out the door, like you got up because work told you to, not because you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You didn't start the day because you wanted to start the day. You started the day because your work told you you had to. Mm. That feels like a chain. I'm like, yeah, that's, a that's word. right. <laughs> that is a word. And that's so word. And, and so like it's it's true. Like because without any type of intentionality, you literally just wait for the next chain. And and most more than likely, your pharaoh that come rolling by is your phone. <laughs> Right, that's yeah. non-intentional living. Now, intentionally, it's that's the heart of the conversation, especially when technology comes in. My kids always yell at me about this, but like, technology is a chain if you let it be. Otherwise, it's it's an extremely helpful tool. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, if you're living with intentionality, you can fix just about anything on YouTube, right? No problem. But like, if you're not living with intentionality, you'll sit there and watch YouTube shorts about some dude that ran into a frying pan eight times in a row. You're like, ah, ha, ha. this is so adding to my life. Look at that dude. He got hit with the pan, you know? And so like, and then you just wasted, maybe it's not wasted is the wrong word, but like you let it, it change you. You went there because YouTube went there. You're not like, show me frying yeah. pan videos. <laughs> you know, like you got there because someone else drug you there. Actually, I, th- I was thinking about this uh, last week. Is the I had you know you read about people who go hey if you spend what is it a thousand hours doing something then you're supposed to have some level of expertise in it mm-hmm. or something yep. and I thought like well what am I an expert in what expertise have I gained over the last ten years have I spent a thousand hours well I searched the auction websites is this an expertise that I want I can scroll Facebook and see the uh, life updates of uh, you know rando people who I'm not going to interact with. Uh, I I may have spent a thousand hours over the last ten years doing that. It, it, like, is that what I wanted? I could have think of all the things I could have been doing with that time. Like, I've become an unintentional expert in crap I don't need to know, and I, I have I have no no virtue in knowing or being able to do. And so, like, that was depressing because I thought like I'm behind. 
I could have been rolling into hour 1100 or 1200 on something that was wise. And instead I'm 1500 hours in, uh, who's this guy? I don't even recognize that guy. Did we go to school with that guy? Anyway, he's having a kid. Uh, we should probably pray for him. Like, okay, <laughs> don't count. Yeah. I, yeah, go ahead, Booba. This may be, I don't know, tangential, but I think when I, when I think through discipline and, and habits and things like that, what it feels like is my disciplines and the things that I make habits are a direct reflection of what I care the most about. And I can tell you with almost absolute certainty that I have probably missed less than 30 meals in the last 15 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Easily. Like, I don't miss meals, right? I always eat. I make certain it's taken care of, right? It is very intentional for me to be very focused around the things that I care about the most. And food has always been that for me. We've talked about that on many occasions. It's not going to, you know, beat that horse anymore. But I can't count how many times I've gone weeks or months without opening my Bible, mm-hmm. without, uh, without praying. Uh, other than praying for a meal in front of someone that I think is going to judge me if they don't, or praying with my wife because I know I kind of have to, stuff like that. But like, what I'm disciplined in is directly reflecting on what I care about in those moments. And what I see is when I'm disciplined about things that are spiritual for me, a lot of stuff falls in line. If I put my heart to be set on an interaction with God, uh, daily, all the time, whether that's through my Bible reading, whether that's through intentional prayer, whether that's worship time or just sitting around glorifying God with my thoughts to be thinking about things that I'm just thankful for him giving me, right? Um, everything else kind of starts to fall in line because things are right-sized. Because as I'm focused on my God and my relationship with him, and I'm focused on the identity that I'm supposed to have through him, and that life that I'm supposed to be living that's meant to be glorifying to him and calling out his name in the throne room at all times, things just fall in line when I'm when I'm acting that way. I'm not uh, habitually eating like crazy or snacking for no reason or going out to eat stupid stuff. I'm not uh, constantly taking in things that that I shouldn't be taking in, whether that's, you know, struggles that pretty much all dudes have, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it really is indicative of what I'm, I'm focusing my time on and what I care about. And those other things just fall in line because as I'm reading through and trying to find God, I, I, it's difficult for me to be self-sabotaging mm-hmm. the whole time because if I'm focused on him, I'm less focused on me. It also ties back to Mike's Gerald point about uh, you know who, who what are you going to bind yourself to? Mm-hmm. Who's who is your master? And I right. think that that sums it up. You know, you can't have two masters, so no, you can't be disciplined and disciplined, mm-hmm. undisciplined, dis, du- double disciplined. <laughs> you think think about it. The dis, the disciplines that that are things we think of normally in the spiritual disciplines: prayer, fasting, solitude, study, meditation, so forth. Th- those are all uncomfortable for us they're not mm-hmm. natural you know i solitude i want to be with people interesting you know, uh quietness listening i want to speak you know prayer i would rather go out i'd rather be on youtube right you know, you know whatever you know it's all against our nature so when we go purposefully against our nature and focus on god in those areas it, it, it brings more results it's it's we're laboring in in our faith so to speak so yeah yeah but it's not I mean, hard 
You say it's not hard? I mean, they're 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 simple tasks. They're yeah. hard to accomplish. They're not difficult to do. Right, yeah. right, right. For right. the most part. I was thinking about this this morning. I woke up this morning to go to the gym, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Troy last night was telling a story to my sisters about how to find your way out of a cornfield. And I thought to myself, how how apt is that to, to just life? Like, a cornfield could be 400 acres long. But as long as you keep going forward, uh, you know, you just keep doing the, the simple discipline. You just keep going. Eventually, you'll find a road. You like it, you're, but if you you wander around, kind of goof off and do whatever you're doing, you know, uh, then you just circle your your cornfield for the rest of your days and die in the corn, and you never find the road. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to die in That's the corn. That's really sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. We learned that as kids. <laughs> it really is a call, like to like just live with some intention. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Stop, stop letting. Stop choosing lazy pharaohs. You know what I'm saying? Like, chain yourself to something. If you're going to, if basically, the, the whole invitation of, of God's invitation is, is I, I want to invite you to be in relationship with me. And when you're in relationship with me, that's ultimate freedom. It means you're chained by nothing, right? You are, you are voluntarily following the king. And like, you get the, you get the glow of being around the savior of the universe and the master of all creation. And you get to stand there. If he didn't drag you there, you weren't forced in there. So all of it is freedom, right? And so if you think about everything that you are letting blow you around by the wind, like that's a chain. And so you start looking around your life and going, chain, chain, that thing's chain. That don't look like freedom. That looks like a pharaoh, right? Like you you start to get embarrassed on how many things you change yourself to. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Ben, how did you just take a go? I was dominated by YouTube. Yeah. It had its way with me. And left me on the side of the road crying. Yeah, I got kicked to the curb by Dr. Pepper. Yeah, right, right, right. Because I could have passed by it, and I didn't need it. Water was available, and I said, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna be late to work because I want that Dr. Pepper. I stared down a vape pen and lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's easy to pick the, 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 the big ones, right? Like, because society already agrees with you. Smoking's no good. You can't drink too much. You stay off hard drugs. Don't take Adderall that don't belong to you. Whatever. You're like, these are, these are all big chains. You know, but like God isn't trying to get you to trade uh, a dark, grimy, moldy chain for a shiny chain, <laughs> right? Like he's not like, use this nicer looking chain that's called exercise, right? You don't use this, chi- this, this other chain that's called health, right? Like it's, he's talking about freedom from all of it, right? And you can be intentionally healthy and you can be intentionally exercising and you can be intentional on reading the works of modern philosophers or painting a picture, Right, all these things God has given to you as freedoms, right? But He goes, don't chain yourself to them, don't do that, right? Don't let it own you. People have traded like that's why the programs where people trade hard drugs for like healthy living, then they end up worshiping healthy living, right? And like it's it's good for you, that's true, it's good for your body, but like not if it owns you, not if it dictates your life like the Holy Spirit's supposed to be doing, right? Mistake, that's a chain. Yep. Yeah, God's the only master that won't fail you. All right. You're listening to Live from the Path. Uh, let's let's give out some advice. Okay, ready? Yep. Dear, Live from the Path. Uh-oh. I was looking up idle hands are for the devil. Devil's Workshop. Classic. There we go. <laughs> just looking up the phrase? Uh, yeah, because I was just trying to think, like, uh, first of all, I'm like, is that even in the Bible? Uh, it turns out it is. Uh, it's in the Proverbs. And then I thought, does that hold weight to this conversation? And I think it does. Because idleness uh, produces uh, chains, really. Anyway. Dear Live from the Path. Path. Yeah. 
I need background vocals. Deal laugh from the path. Path. <laughs> uh, every time I leave the house, my wife needs a play-by-play as to where I'm going, how long I'll be away, etc. Classic. Years ago, I used to be a player, but age has caught up with me. Oh boy. Advice. Wait, that's it. That's the end. Yeah. Dude gets right to the point. Hey, you know what's interesting is like the way that he tells it is that the only reason that he's not still a player is because his age has <laughs> restricted old. him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like his wife is well served being suspicious of him. <laughs> if I felt better. Yeah. yeah right. You have uh you have earned no trust, sir, at all. Yeah. Your wife has every right to be uh to be asking where you're going. Yeah, in fact, you should look at it as a gift that she wants to know where you're going. Right. Because that means she gives two craps about That's you. That's right. You're darn lucky she even cares anymore. Yeah. I would give her full details. Not in a snarky, terrible way. I would be up front yeah. and, and definitely share every bit of thing you think she should care about. Because what do you freaking care? You should have no care in the world at all. Plus, well, it's fun to give a play-by-play. Yeah. That's why they made Snapchat. I'm right here. Yeah. Just hang by your phone, woman. I'll snap Damn. you. Dan, that's awesome. That is the most wholesome way to take in Snapchat. Uh, a notoriously terrible thing. Dan goes, no, it's an easy way to update my wife to where exactly where yeah. I'm at. I guess I'm not familiar with Dan. the uh, I love that. <laughs> terrible that's, things. That's, uh, that makes me happy. Buying okay. panko breadcrumbs. <laughs> Put myself a little dog filter. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I don't find this unreasonable at all. Yeah. No, like you, this, this is a society thing. You should uh, tell your wife whatever it is she wants to know. Yeah, if she decides that she doesn't want to track your every move five years from now because you behaved yourself and been openly and tra- open and transparent, well, then fine. That seems like a real boon to you. But uh, and up until then, and even if it doesn't show up, she has every right to ask this because you've been a notorious Lothario, and uh, she does not trust you, and that's correct. And yeah, you know I, what? I, Take I, go ahead. Go- Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought not, it was the talking. Repentance in any of his words there. there, there there's no yeah, regret. Right, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, this is an opportunity for you to to love your wife so much by becoming someone she can trust. Yeah. Like legitimately, what a blessing on your marriage if you give her so much detail and so many play-by-plays of exactly where you're going and who you're hanging out with to the point where she just feels so much love and trust in your relationship and feels safe Maybe that's in her the conver- relationship That's her way of con- having a conversation. He's feeling guilty for his past. And right, she's like, right. Exactly. Yes. On. Like there is, yeah. there is a, there is a beauty to a relationship when you get to a point where you can give so much honesty that that person can flip that off and go, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I feel so safe and so trust in, in this situation that, like, go off, do what you need to do. Yeah. I'm fine. I, and it's amazing. Yeah, I think, like, his his ability to make his wife feel like she's uh, domineering and controlling left when he portrayed himself as a man who needed to be controlled. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, like, if, if compl- you can change your actions and situation, and maybe we could focus on your lady. But right now, it seems justified. Yep. Uh, Segular says... I find it disappointing that you've only stopped cheating because time, and not your conscience, finally caught up with you. Oh, yeah, secular. Tell your wife what she needs to know. It's the price you are paying to regain your credibility and her trust. Holy cats, that was a left hook. Is and there it, any hope? I, I mean, how many years has it been? Like, yeah. At some point, it's like, ah. And here's the thing. It's like, I've watched dudes, emotions. dudes do this time after time. And like, they, they acted a fool. And then, like, they put in a good six months, and they're like, my wife is still questioning me. She still wants to know what's going on here, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you need to know, she don't owe you any of that. Yeah, she don't right. owe you the trust that you ruined. She don't owe you any of those things, right? Like, you should be so lucky to have a woman that has continued to stick with you, and you will, to the end of your days, pledge 
that you will say whatever you want to know. My phone's an open book. I'll tell you where I'm at. I'll turn location on on my phone. Whatever you want to know. Whatever you want to know. Because I've people don't have anything to be, be ashamed of. Right? If you're not up to anything funky, I don't care if people know I stopped at the fairway. It's just not a big deal. It shouldn't ever be a big deal. So, yeah. like, like in a, even in a healthy marriage, I still don't find that to be oversharing. If your wife asks you a question, you answer. This is why I don't like secret bank accounts. And why I just all that stuff seems just a, a, just a second level opportunity of chains to me. Like you are chaining yourself to something that is not freedom. Truth is freedom. And so you should be able to hit the unvarnished truth most of the time unless she's asking, asking about outfits or weight. Otherwise, you, sir, are just going to be a blank slate open statement. What? Outfits or weight? How do I look in this outfit? Yeah. Great. Yeah. You, you, it's okay. You can put the varnish on it. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, do you think I've gained weight? No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. All right. What's next, Mike? Hmm. Secular says, Uva is terrible. Got him. Dear life from the path. <laughs> Dear life from the path. My 23-year-old daughter and her first and only boyfriend have begun to talk marriage. Although I think he's a wonderful, smart, compassionate young man who seems to adore my daughter, I have one major concern, his unhealthy habits. Mm-hmm. When my daughter introduced him to us seven years ago, he was a little overweight. Since then, I've watched him pack on at least 25 pounds a year, and now he's morbidly obese. His diet is horrible, and he never exercises. He also drinks and smokes, although not excessively. My daughter, on the other hand, is petite, athletic, and clean living. Her habits haven't rubbed off on him. I know enough about weight gain and health to be deeply concerned about the trend I'm seeing. Her boyfriend is fast approaching the super... Wow, we got a lot of adjectives here. Super morbidly obese range and has limited mobility. He graduated near the top of their college class but hasn't had a stable job since. I'm afraid it's only only, only going to get harder for him to get hired in the future. What's making me even more upset is my blindly in love, naive daughter seems to have lost interest in pursuing a career of her own and is thinking this guy is going to take care of her. She has no clue that her boyfriend's the one who's likely to need taking care of before long, and she's going to find it mighty difficult to both work and care for a man who towers over her and weighs nearly four times what she does. So far, I haven't said anything about this. I'm happy my daughter has found someone who's kind, funny, and loving, and whose family is so welcoming to her. I don't want her to lose this guy. I just want them to get on a better track. I think they both need a reality check. Should I say something, or is it not my place? Is there any chance that person is from Pittsburgh? No, there's no, okay, just wondering. there's no Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pittsburgh written here. Uh, okay, I, I I know Boovas can speak to to this problem, but I'm a, I'm just gonna say this right off the bat. You're wearing a pair of glasses that only sees this man's weight, and and you might be letting this overflow a little bit. Um, I I think he's got his own stuff going on, and I think you should probably give your daughter a little bit more credit uh, than you're currently giving her. Obviously, uh, the fellow probably could use. I don't. I, you're just not the right person to have this conversation with him. He's not unaware, right? That that these things are happening to him. Uva. I mean, anybody else can talk too. No, like, you 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 pulled up on the microphone like you had a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You're not gonna like my answer, uh, or you might. I don't know. Maybe Mike from five years ago might not like it. Go. Um, there's something going on in that dude's life. Yes. Like, there's some serious stuff that's happening. Come that, on. They, they, people don't just. Put pack on that level of weight for no reason as someone who is and has been for the better part of the last 15 years super morbidly obese <laughs> that's that not actually a category it is a category yes okay. it's it, there's like super morbidity or uh, uh excuse, uh, excuse me super super morbid obese is like i think 200 plus pounds overweight oh um 
but it, that that's not the important piece. It doesn't matter if you're 50 pounds overweight. Like there are things behind that, especially if it comes with situation where he doesn't have a job, um, is possibly very intelligent yeah. um, at, at the level that he graduated with in college, but then is not willing to apply it. There's probably a lot of depression that goes along with that because with that level of intellect and that lack of discipline and and um, actualizing on that intellect, that comes with a lot of depression of not thinking you're either worth the time of day or that tomorrow's worth even trying for. And so I think that that's conversations that you as as the mother of your child can bring up to your daughter that, hey, I, just a heads up, like, I love you. And before you make a decision that is forever like marriage, you need to take these kind of things in consideration. In no circumstances should you be the one that contacts your possible future son-in-law and goes, hey, by the way, we've been noticing how you've been gaining 25 pounds plus a year since we've met you seven years ago. We know about your job situation whatsoever. You have every right to be a concerned parent of a single child currently. Um, that's where that stops, though. Because, one, your child's going to make the decision that they're going to make. They, it's the same situation it's always been. They're your kid. You can do everything you can to influence them for good things. You have certain levels of control, but that control is used to teach them how to make better decisions, not to make decisions for them. And so there's a perfect understanding or a, a perfect level of understanding that you can give in, in loving your child, uh, suggesting therapy for both of them, because therapy for her may very well get her to a point where she starts looking in a different perspective at her prospective spouse, um, marital or premarital counseling about what kind of things do you value? How do you handle uh, grief and loss in your life? How do you handle when stuff goes tough with your budgets and things like that? Because that guy, if he's being honest in those conversations, is going to have to go. Well, when I'm really stressed, I eat and I'm stressed all the time. And these are things that are symptomatic of that, that inner depression or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't have to be a clinical uh, diagnosis, but just realize that your responsibility as mom is to your child. You have every right to be protective, but you are not the one who makes the decisions for them. And you are certainly not the parent over the other guy. Would it be different? Change out his weight for, for marijuana use. So, like, as a coping mechanism, as something that keeps him from um, meeting his feels like academic potential, mm -hmm. yeah. he's smoking marijuana. Oh. Well, what, what what if it's the opposite? What if he lost a bunch of weight, right, to where he's like weak and frailish? Oh yeah, like right. The concern is like yeah. dude's dropping twenty five pounds a, of a year, but not like what appears to be in a healthy way. Yeah, these are all physical manifestations skinnier. of something underneath. Yes, and that's so, that, that. That was the point I was getting at. Yes, is that like I, I like th th there's something. I think the point is salient to say, do you want to make sure that your kids are um, have a have context, have potential yeah. thought beyond their current situation? Because like whether it's whether it's drug use, whether it's massive weight loss, uh, unhealthy weight loss or unhealthy weight gain, there are consequences to that. Right. To the person that you care about, to the relationship that you're in, to children that you're going to have, to the stability of your home, to the the emotion emotional stuff that comes along with that 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 cause bumps and in your marriage that don't have anything to do as to whether you love each other or not right these are all contextual things that you need to be prepared for and mindful of and probably consider um, not as like change this or we don't marry but because we both want a healthy marriage. We have to figure out what the, like what's going on here and what that looks like for our lives in front of us. Like if right. you're not talking about those things, 
you're doing a disservice to what you purportedly think about each other. And so I'd like, don't get so hung up on the weight gain. Just pick, just pick anything. And yeah, you, you, you need to work through that and don't presume that, uh, our love will be enough. It doesn't have it. Like people, people pit that up against it. Um, uh, and in fact, like a, a lot of guys will pit this up. Like once I'm in this situation, I will give up the drinking. I will give up the looking at these things. I will, but fellas, it's just I, I, like one out of a hundred guy. Does that end up being true? Right. Because it's not, because it's not a love problem. And frankly, it puts, it puts relationships in a really funky position when you pit your love up against something that's more complicated than that. Um, and so you got You just have to be so careful. And now's the right time to be talking about it. Now's the right time to be transparent about it. Now's the time to say, look, if we're in this together, let's be in this together yeah. and start having these conversations now. Um, I, I, and I think it's I think it's OK. I think it's OK as a parent to be transparent. Say, look, these are the things that I'm that I'm thinking that I'm worried about. And I need because I love you. I'm going to say them out loud. Uh I think Boo was right. You can't make that decision for them, but it's like neither one's going to be surprised. No, like, right? Exactly. What? Yes. Right? <laughs> I'm yeah, over, no, what? I didn't. I didn't yeah. wake up today like yeah. this and go. Yeah. Like that's not a. <laughs> I didn't like, see that. how that goes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I, but it's good to be. Uh, I, I just love you guys. Yes. I want to have. A, yes. Yeah. So my. Oh, I hope I'm not telling too much here with this, but you know, whatever. My in-laws did something that at the time was one of the most infuriating things that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, but now that I look back and I have prospects of getting, have having kids, it is one of the most loving things I've ever seen someone do. Um, so before, uh, my wife and I got married, we were engaged. I was living in Pittsburgh. I was living in a basement, uh, uh, to, uh, um, for, for a month before I got, uh, an actual apartment. Um, I didn't have a steady job at the time. It was actually the only time I'd ever been fired in my life. Um, was at this dumb job that I got when I moved to Pittsburgh and, uh, they came to us and said to her, not me, that they wanted to talk about postponing the wedding because they did not know how well I was going to be able to financially take care of her. Uh, as I did not have an apartment, I hadn't bought a car yet from moving out there. Um, I had just gotten fired from my job. Uh, I don't see any problems. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And at the time, I was like, I, this is the first time I've ever been in this scenario. That You've known me for years. I've never been fired from a job before. I've never been in a situation where I didn't have a car for less than like a couple of weeks. And like, I've never not had an apartment. I've been in, I've had a place to live every day for my entire life. Like, I've never had that problem. Uh, and it was infuriating. I was like, how dare you try and postpone this and like de- degrade me as a person in this situation? Uh Looking back at it, and I, I felt that way for about a day. I, it wasn't a long period of time because I finally took a step back and started praying on it. But when I came back to them, I talked to my wife about it, my fiance at the time, and said, hey, tell them this. I have a budget plan for everything. I've already got another job lined up. We've got an apartment set up. I've got a car in the works that we've got money for, all these different things. And it was what it was on me for was articulating that I had planned, that I, like I'd thought through this stuff. And there was no, going to be no situation in which... Uh, I, I would let that falter. I would do whatever I needed to do to get that done. But the fact of the matter was, is they looking at their daughter, loving her, did not want to put her in a situation, regardless of how much she loved me, that they felt was unsafe, 
and was just a general bad life choice for her to go from living in a house, not having any of these problems, to handing her over to me in marriage, and then immediately her going into squalor. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I was furious for about a day because I was like, how dare you try and demean me as a man? Mm-hmm. But then I was like, dang it, dude, look at this. This, this is your in-laws someday and they love their daughter so much uh that this is something that they're willing to be probably terrified to say but we're yeah, willing to do it's so. awkward I, yeah, I oh, totally incredibly those so. conversations In- though uh, i was like here's some here's some blind spots you may not see as i'm not telling you not to be yeah, together right. i'm just saying have you thought about these yeah here are some potential issues here are potential outcomes of that as long as you're going in with your eyes wide open, right. I'm blessing this yeah, thing. Yeah, education. But, but have you thought this through? Yeah. yeah. And and they're like, they were, I don't you know, I mean, no one ever, as far as I know, no one was mad at me, but uh, right, yeah. I didn't care because I didn't want it five years later going, exactly. this was the worst mistake of my life. You right. know, I was like, well, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, oh, I wish I would have said, you know, I was right. like. And so there's a realm for that. It's understandable yeah. for you to be protecting your child. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's understandable for you to be giving advice from your perspective that they might, mm-hmm. may not have and be willing to give them uh, a, a view from the outside looking in that they may be too close to see. Hey, I, I even said a few things to the, to the I have two daughters, to the, to the fiance saying, hey, here's what you may not know about my daughter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean – she puts her hair against the the shower wall and it sits there like a weird wig. I'm just telling you, I mean, you know, just, just so you know, you, you know, you're, I, I did not get into weird stuff. I mean, just like right, you, you know. I think that's right. I think from their perspective, like you always think when two people are getting married, like they're both on their way up, and it's hard to like <laughs> marry your daughter like to a dude that, in your estimation, appears as if he's on his way down. You know, you're like yeah. you're declining uh, from this point of view. And like you're right, like it, and and Boov is right. Like there's a lot, there could be a lot going on with this guy. You didn't explain any of his family background yeah. or anything that he's struggled with or anything that's going on in his life. So you may actually know the source of this thing, and he's not processing it well. You know. Here's what I will say though: if if he thinks he's man enough to get into a marriage, but is not man enough to to take a step back and and start fixing this stuff now before he's into that, he's he's got to take a look at himself, too. right? Right. And you do want to know that because like there is a difference between someone who is um, who is is fighting and trying yep. and putting effort towards something and someone who's given up, given up. Yeah. Yeah. And like um, you can it's you can in a, in a marriage, you can fight alongside someone who's fighting something, but you cannot carry that for them. Right. And like that is not an equal yoke. Um, that is a mistake. It's a, like, and if if that can change, then maybe your situation can change. But like, don't enter a marriage thinking this situation is going to change because we're married, or right. that I can change them. That is something they have to do under their own willpower. Secular says, talk to your daughter about your concerns, all of which are valid. Your daughter should not put her career on the back burner because, as you have pointed out, she may need it. Make sure she understands that her boyfriend's choices will not affect only her future, but possibly her children's. So this serious subject you will bring up only once. If this romance does progress to marriage, and I wish them a long and happy one, they should make estate planning in priority just in case. When love is in the air, we all expect a happy ending, but all too often fate intervenes. Stop what that. What the heck? Estate planning. Fate. Make sure you got I a mean, good life insurance policy for fatso. Everyone should, I guess. <laughs> That's what Secular just said. Fatty, fatty, no friend's going to have a heart attack. 
Better make sure you get the supplemental life insurance. Your ship could come what in, is baby. Wrong with you? Okay, but she better also, make them wheels clear. She said sometimes fate intervenes. That's not fate. No, that's McDonald's. <laughs> That'd be cool if McDonald's started writing on the side. Steal your fate. We've got some life insurance. <laughs> Uh, responsible for rising comorbidities. Why hasn't McDonald's started selling life insurance policies? I mean, it get you on both ends. It might catch the wrong vibe. Yeah. Yeah. A little too on the nose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when you order the double quarter pounder three rounds, they go, sir, your rates are going up. Please. Right, exactly. I feel like that's good data for them to have. Yeah. They're the right people. That's true. Give me Sorry, your phone John, number. John, how many McDoubles were, were on your credit card last month? 47. Yeah. Okay. No. Your premium is, is skyrocketing you're, this You're month. not thinking about this right. People don't stop eating McDonald's fast food. They don't stop eating fast food because McDonald's is their life insurance carrier. They start eating at Burger King so that McDonald's doesn't know that they're eating that much fast food. Exactly. They're all the same company. I'm going to stop buying pizza for the youth group because my health insurance rates are going to go way high. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I hope no one in America grabs a hold of that and starts making that happen. (sighs) All right. You're listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. We really do appreciate it. Do not forget 515-517-0085. The Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path complaint line. Send us the YouTube, the the with the workout video, uh, Mike will do the first fifteen minutes, and we'll record it. And you got to take it in. Ugh. You have to promise to watch it, but Mike's going to do it. All right, we'll take that. Of course, if you have any feedback on the show, any regrets, things that you heard us saying, boy, I'm I'm cringing for them. Uh, you go ahead and leave that on the complaint line so that we're aware of that. Uh, in the meantime, we uh, hope to be back with you next week. Uh, I heard you said in the meantime. Till then, be faithful in the means. God will happen. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. Yo.